Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's show, my guest will be beat writer Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit. First, let's get it started with my view from Section 17. You can say a win is a win, especially on the road and in conference play, but what we saw on Saturday in Evanston was troubling to me on many fronts. Slow starts. I'm not sure if we script our first few series or just go with the flow. Either way, the play calling was a bit puzzling the first two times we had the ball. The defense was giving up the edge and slant stuff the entire first quarter, then absolutely took that away from Northwestern in the final three quarters. Adjustments are fine. You have to adjust during the course of a game if you're going to be a good team. But the slow starts have got to come to an end on both sides of the ball. We've been able to get away with it so far, but it won't work the rest of the way. Just look at our schedule. Start slow, and we've got problems. And the penalties just drive me nuts. We are now the most penalized team in the Big Ten. We are not good enough to overcome 9, 10, or 11 penalties in a game against anyone left on our schedule. That has got to be cleaned up. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy with a win on the road and that we came from behind to score 20 unanswered points. This team makes me very uneasy, though. After five games, we should have a good idea just what kind of team Michigan is, but I don't. Are we the very average, mistake-riddled team that we've seen so often in the first five games? Or are we a team on the verge of becoming a contender with a methodical offense and a dominant defense? I've been around this thing a long time, and teams don't usually morph from average to great overnight. It's going to get real this week when Maryland comes to the big house. It's an absolute joke that we're 17-point favorites in this game. Maryland has had three top 20 recruiting classes under DJ Durkin, and they are a good football team. Young, but loaded with talent. I'd like to see us roll them by 17, but if that's going to happen, we better come out of the gate fast, not shoot ourselves in the foot with penalties, and start becoming a consistent, disciplined team on both sides of the ball. We can do it, and we better start this Saturday against the Terps. Cody Stavenhagen from The Athletic Detroit is in his first year covering Michigan football. Like me, he says five weeks of watching this team have him scratching his head. He's not sure if this is just a good team, 
or if they are ready to turn the corner and become a contender. He's up next on our game day segment here on the Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us this week on our game day segment is Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit. Cody, welcome back to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, like always. Well, Cody, Saturday was the biggest come-from-behind win in the Harbaugh era, but once again on the road, it was a painfully slow start, and it's getting hard to figure out why, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it was was tough to explain. Uh, Michigan came out and was just flat they just weren't there uh and i think it's especially puzzling on the defense band when this defense is so good and can be so dominant and has all the talent in the world and and like we saw against notre dame and uh, like michigan fans are used to seeing for a while now they came out and just looked like a a different team for probably the first uh quarter and a half maybe and then the uh you know luckily for michigan the switch flipped uh, and then you have a really good football game, but it's certainly puzzling and, and concerning, to say the least. Well, and there were negatives and positives, of course, to take away from Saturday's game. Along with the slow start, I thought the early play calling in the first few series was a bit curious, Cody, and maybe it's just me, but what did you think of some of the strategy in those first few series? Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure what uh, the coaching staff was going for. I tend it as uh, this might be a game where Michigan could really put up some some bigger numbers through the air, and I wonder if maybe that's what the Michigan coaching staff was thinking too, because you kind of see, uh, you know, you saw uh, the play calling drift away from, you know, establishing the run, giving the ball to Karan Higdon in the downhill running game. Uh, you know, we we just saw some odd plays. There's an end around to Ronnie Bell. It looks like. Uh, Michigan was sending some receivers deep, but guys were covered and, and, you know, nothing jumped open right away. Uh, But Michigan kind of stayed with that line of thought for probably the first three series. Uh, Karan Higdon had only touched the ball once um, through two series, and I think he had a gain of three yards. And then after that, it kind of became clear, okay, it's time to go back to what we do and to establish the run game but then you're trailing by 10 and then by 17 and it gets tough. Obviously it worked out and then definitely Michigan went back to its identity. But yeah, I I wish I had a better idea of of what exactly the coaching staff was trying to do right there off the bat. It looks like they came out trying to be aggressive, which is a good thing, uh, but it certainly did not work. Well, another positive was Shea Patterson. You wrote a good piece on Sunday in The Athletic about him. And he said he loves being in the situation Michigan was in on that last drive. He certainly is not afraid of the big moment, is he, Cody? Uh, No, not at all. And he talked about that quite a bit after the game. And I think that's that's probably my biggest takeaway 
uh, from Saturday is that Shea Patterson, beyond you know making the throws he had to make late, even though this wasn't his best game and he he did look tense uh, at certain moments, he he got it together on that final drive, really the last two drives. And uh, he showed you, okay, this is a guy we can have confidence in late. This is a guy who can uh, split a seam and, and make a throw in a tight window to Zach Gentry down the field when it matters most. This is a guy who could use his legs on a third down to pick up a, a key first down that keeps us going, that gives us a chance. So it was beyond, you know, it was beyond, uh, it's a lot different than making plays when you're up big against SMU or Western Michigan. He did those things good teams always seem to have um, from their quarterback, and that was just leadership and some toughness and execution in, in a tight game. He talked about wanting to make up for Notre Dame uh, when he fumbled on Michigan's final possession. He certainly did that, and I think that, that gives Michigan and hopefully its fans um, a lot of confidence if, if they are to be in a situation like that again. Well, he certainly was a positive. Uh, another negative to me, though, and we just touched on this uh, earlier, was the, the early play of that defense giving up the slants and the edge stuff. Now, granted, it was a bye week for Pat Fitzgerald and his staff, and that's a good staff, so I'm sure, you know, after four games, they saw that maybe that's where they could get to Michigan. And then, of course, just like in South Bend, Don Brown and the defense made adjustments, but are we overreacting when that happens early in a game, almost mid-season, Cody, or should we be concerned? You know, probably a little bit of both. You know, I had some people saying, well, oh, this, this Michigan secondary isn't any good. What's wrong with these defensive backs? And I, I think Michigan still ranks fourth in the country in pass defense. So I don't, you know, I don't really know that you can say that. But at the same time, when you're giving up chunks of yards and chunks of points early in games, yeah, clearly something is wrong. I think this is a big positive to your coaching staff and to the players that they've shown now twice. Uh, they can adjust. They can get hit in the mouth and um, jump right back up. At the same time, uh, we continue to just see issues covering, you know, covering basic slant patterns. Uh, just you know, from an outside perspective, not having looked at it too closely, I feel like Michigan's defensive backs in general, need to be a little more physical, um, get some hands on some footballs like they did in the second half of that game. I hadn't seen that much throughout this season, even when they've locked opponents down. I haven't really seen uh, Michigan DBs making plays on the football, you know, using their hands a little bit, bodying up guys. We saw that in the second half, but, uh, that you know, if there's one issue for this defense, it's that, hey, you got to be able to man up and cover a slant pattern. Well, another issue, I think, for the defense, the offense too, but more so for the defense and a negative are these penalties. Uh, and I know Jim and the staff address this each week. You know they do. Um, so what do you think it is? Because I can't figure it out. Is it over aggressiveness or lack of discipline, which is hard to believe? You know, I don't know. I think it's hard to be over aggressive on a football field, right? Great, yeah. great football teams are as aggressive as it gets. Uh, when you see a stack up through four or five games, I really do think it comes down to, man, this just must not be a very disciplined football team, which is often a reflection on the coaching. Obviously now, you know, Jim Harbaugh has this staff and, and Jim Harbaugh usually coaches pretty disciplined football teams. So I don't know exactly what's causing that. Does it have something to do with the, the influx of new coaches? I don't know. I mean, a lot of these penalties are coming on 
defensive players who are extremely experienced and who have been there before. So yeah, it's it's absolutely puzzling. And when it's different penalties on different players, I don't know that you can chalk it up to one thing. Uh, but it's it's something that's got to be corrected because yeah, Michigan is absolutely playing. You know, they're not playing like a disciplined disciplined football team right now, and that maybe you can overcome that at Northwestern um, if if you commit. You know. 9, 10, 11 penalties going forward, you know, against Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, you're not going to be able to win those football games. Well, another big positive and a surprise to me is the punting of Will Hart. He has been unbelievable, hasn't he, Cody? Man, uh, I think Will Hart might have been the uh, the MVP of that game. He had, I think, six punts for over 300 yards, yeah. averaged more than 50 again. He's just been absolutely on fire. Uh, he is he is, you know, maybe in a weird way, maybe this team's MVP right now. He has uh, certainly, certainly been a huge asset that's helped Michigan out uh, in multiple ways. And I, again, I think a guy that you start talking about the stretch of Big Ten play, these big games, if Will Hart keeps punting like this, that's another thing that could be a difference maker, this time in Michigan's favor. Another positive, though, in the special teams play is uh, Nordine's been good. He's you know he's missed a couple, but young Moody, the, uh, the the place kicker on kickoffs, has been very consistent. Yeah, you, you know, I you talk about coaching. I think, to me, special teams are, is another thing that, that's usually a very good indicator of how well the team coached. Michigan has been surprisingly good on, in really all areas of special teams, uh, the return game has been so much better. We've already seen two touchdowns. Seems like Donovan Peoples-Jones has hopefully worked out some of the kinks uh, that come with punt returning. As you mentioned, yeah, Jake Moody has been a great uh, discovery as a kickoff specialist. Quinn Nordine's been pretty good on field goals. Um, and and uh, that Michigan's covering the return game pretty well, too. Uh, they struggled a little bit against Notre Dame, but seem to have locked in there. Uh, I, I think that's a huge positive and a, a massive turnaround from last season when Michigan struggled in a lot of those areas. Well, late in the game on, on Saturday, uh, Cody, we saw Rashawn Gary leave with a, an injury, and he came back with some kind of a brace on it looked like. Do you know anything about his injury? Was anything said after the game? No, it was, it was one of those things uh, that kind of got buried with the you know the world of other things going on after the game. Mm-hmm. Um Hard to see exactly what happened. Didn't get a, a great look at it. Um, obviously, Rashawn Gary's been very banged up this year, right? He's left multiple games with injuries. We've heard rumors. Oh, he's got a shoulder problem. You start to wonder if, if possibly there's a lingering shoulder injury going on with Rashawn Gary that he's fighting through, uh, which is kind of scary because then it's, uh, you know, how long can you keep going? Can you push that all season? Is this something that's going to require surgery? But again, that is total and complete speculation, which which I try not to do too much of. Rashawn himself hasn't wanted to talk about it much. Um, seems like the coaching staff probably hasn't either. Uh, but I'm sure that's something we'll find out uh, more more this week. Uh, but it's it's something to watch going forward. It seems like Rashawn Gary is playing through a lot of pain right now. Another thing uh, I was wondering about Saturday is there wasn't really much mention of uh, Chris Evans, uh, how close he was to being back. Have you heard any more on him? Not really. I think uh, midweek Jim Harbaugh kind of indicated the wait-and-see type of thing, and that isn't too surprising to me given, I mean, when he came off the field and uh, in that game, it looked like he had, he, you know, he had, t- he had pulled a muscle, probably something up there um, in his leg. 
maybe a hamstring, and that's one of those things that is, is totally a case-to-case basis and can linger for a long time. So especially with a running back, I don't think you want to push it. Uh, it's, it's been two weeks now since Chris Evans has played. Uh, you would think probably, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh had said this week or next, midweek, last week. So that means there's a good chance he could be ready to go for the Maryland game. I think we'll see his return soon. I think it's most likely one of those muscle issue, uh, injuries that mm-hmm. um, that you just don't want to rush, that you don't want to play around with. With us on our game day segment this week as we uh, recap the Northwestern game is Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit. Cody, I was reading a, a Sports Illustrated piece uh, Sunday on Michigan, and the gist of the article was, we don't know if Michigan is any good until the Wisconsin game. And I disagree with that because this week's opponent, Maryland, despite a no-show against Temple, is a much-improved and very talented team, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I can kind of see both sides of that argument. I found myself scratching my head a little bit, you know, uh, up in the Northwestern press box, like, man, I still cannot figure out how good this Michigan team is. And it's kind of been a thing where every week it's like, okay, this is going to be the week we find out how good Michigan is. And we still... You know, haven't really seen a, a consistent pattern. We're going to find out going into into uh, better competition, as you say. And yeah, Maryland's a good football team. I think this has a, a good chance to be a close football game. Uh, Maryland beat uh, Texas, which has gone on to be probably a little bit of a better team than we initially thought. Maryland has some talented players on both sides of the ball. So um, are they quite as good as Wisconsin? You know, I'd say probably not. But, uh, yeah, this this is a game that will test Michigan's medal like just about every other game going forward. This morning, uh, before I talked to you, I was taping with Johnny Holiday, the play-by-play voice of Maryland football. Now, he's been up in the booth for over 40 years covering Maryland wow. football. So when he says something, I, I listen to it. And he told me mm-hmm. that this team has the most talent, granted a lot of it's young, but the most talent since the Bobby Ross days, and he thinks they can actually come in here and play with Michigan. Wow, that's that's certainly high praise, but uh, just looking at it on paper, I, I don't think he's wrong by any means. I'm expecting a tough game, and yeah, that uh, I, I'm sure a man like that doesn't just say, say something lightly. Well, it's been a difficult few months, we all know, for the Maryland program with the tragic death of uh, Jordan McNair and the suspension of D.J. Durkin. Now, the committee was supposed to uh, close the investigation on Sunday. And maybe this week the Maryland folks are saying they're going to have some kind of a a response or a reply to what's happening moving forward. But in the interim, the team is being coached by Matt Canada, who's the offensive coordinator. And you can at least say, for the most part, he has kept his team very focused on football, and that can't be easy right now. Yeah, that's just such a, a tough situation to keep a team locked in on the field when you're an interim head coach when you have uh, a, a tragic situation where a player died and now your coaches are coming under fire for it uh it, it seems like there's a good chance something was going on at maryland where a lot of players were um unhappy so to keep you know your finger on the pulse of that team and to keep these guys playing uh that's that's really quite a feat and i think it, it probably says something about matt canada although uh, we have a long way to go in this season, and, and who knows what this investigation will find when it's released, which could be very, very soon. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's impressive, and I think that's a, a, a hard, hard thing to do because you see that happen at programs that get hit 
with uh, sanctions, with violations that have something happened mid-season. Uh, so hard to block out the outside noise. I think harder than you think. And in this case, it's not just outside noise. It's it's complete internal disruption. You don't have your head coach running things day to day. So uh, certainly kudos to Matt Canada and, and the kids over there in Maryland for overcoming what is not an easy circumstance in any way. Well, looking ahead to uh, this Saturday's game with, as we've been mentioning, a very talented Maryland team, a team that the opposite of Michigan has in just about all their four games come out of the gate very fast in games. They really have done well in the first few series. This Saturday, Michigan cannot afford to come out and sleepwalk early. This team, you cannot mess around with these guys. They're too dangerous. Yeah, you know, again, you're you're right on. I <laughs> I agree with all your points too much to say much else, but I think, again, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Michigan will be glad it is at home. Uh, seems like the Wolverines tend to, I mean, obviously play a little better at home. They, they've started somewhat slow. I think they did against SMU, but uh, yeah, this is going to be a game where if Maryland gets up on you 10 nothing, then then you have a real problem. It's not going to be as easy to come back as it was against Northwestern. Um, I, I'm a, Again, a third time I've said this now, I'm expecting a tight game. I think Maryland's a good team. I think Michigan still has something to prove, um, and it's 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 going to be a close one. Cody, you touched on this uh, just a minute or so ago, but after five games, I know you said sitting up in the press box, you wonder, but I've been around this uh, program for a long time, and I cannot figure out if Michigan is a good team or one capable of contending. So once again, do you have any kind of a feel for maybe just what kind of a football team we're watching? I think it's one of those things that could go either way if you really break it down. There is top-end talent on this defense. There are multiple NFL players on this defense. Shea Patterson is an incredibly talented quarterback. We're seeing more and more that Karan Higdon is really emerging as a top-level running back. Uh, we haven't even talked about this. The offensive line played mm-hmm. very well against Northwestern. I mean, it, it played a good game. Shea Patterson had a lot a clean pocket. All that said, you see these uh, recurring issues. You're only beating Northwestern, you know, 20 to 17, and you're having to come back and and win the game in the fourth quarter. It's it's one of those teams that you know. I don't know that the preseason hype or whatever was um, was manufactured. I don't know that it was wrong. I, I think this was a team maybe capable of putting together. 11 wins or whatever you want to say if everything were to go right uh, but so far that has not been the case and with the schedule ahead you're probably going to drop a couple more games so if, if we're going to be realistic I'm going to say this is probably a an 8-9 win team that's pretty good but doesn't have quite that aura that it takes to be a great team but at the same time, you know, if you want to think about it, if you want to imagine a scenario where the wheels kind of come off and you lose five games again, it's it's not hard to picture. Uh, so it's it's one of those things. I think it's, it becomes about how teams respond, how you develop through the course of the season, how you manage the ups and downs that come with the middle part of the season. Uh, I think it's it's very good that Michigan uh, won that game at Northwestern because that's one of those games that can kind of tilt things one way or another. So we'll see what all this means going forward. Uh, it, it could go one way or another, but I would say this is probably just a Michigan team 
Uh, it's really starting to look like this is kind of what the, the Wolverines are. They're not a great team, but they're a pretty dang good team. Uh, they just still have a lot of issues they've got to sort out. We'll just have to let it play out. But another action in the conference, uh, did you uh, happen to get out of Evanston in time to see any of the Ohio State-Penn State game on Saturday night? Uh, I, was, I was still up typing as it ended, and I heard a lot of people you know, kind of hooting and hollering up in the press box. I didn't know what was going on. I uh, did catch the highlights later on in the night, though. Yeah. No idea what James Franklin was thinking, and I didn't love, I didn't love James Franklin's post-game speech. Obviously, it, it was inspired and passionate, but he was equating being an elite program with with you know guys showing up to class and things like that. It seemed a little a little overdone to me, probably especially at a time where he probably needed to be more accountable for his own mistakes. And from what I understand, there were there were multiple you know mistakes on his part in that fourth quarter beyond just the, the fourth and five call. Well, the Buckeyes were somewhat lucky to get out of Happy Valley with the win, and when you look at their schedule the rest of the way, both teams in this state might be the only speed bumps uh, for them on the way to the Big Ten East title. They come to East Lansing in November, then, of course, Michigan visits Columbus on Thanksgiving weekend. But from what I've seen of them, and I hate to say this, I don't see them losing, losing to either the Spartans or us, Cody. They are just a loaded football team. Yeah, I mean, I think we're finding out more and more that Ohio State is kind of uh, head and shoulders above the rest of the Big Ten right now, especially with some of the other losses we've seen. This is still a really good conference, but other teams have kind of had some letdowns. Ohio State has not, and, and it, you know they get a tough win there in Happy Valley. Uh, that'll give them a ton of momentum going forward. I think this might be uh, the best team Ohio State has had in Urban Meyer's tenure, especially if Dwayne Haskins continues to play this well. So, yeah, the Buckeyes are going to be hard to stop and appear well on their way to another college football playoff appearance unless someone can can really pull off an upset. Well, as we said, it's only the first week of October, and there is a lot of football yet to be played, so we shall see. Our guest this week has been Cody Stavenhagen from The Athletic Detroit. And, Cody, once again, it's been great having you with us, and we'll get you back on in a few weeks when we're in that home stretch. So we look forward to that, and thanks again for your time. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks very much. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, on his radio show Monday night, Jim said Rashawn Gary and Chris Evans are questionable for this Saturday. Rashawn either suffered a shoulder injury on Saturday or tweaked an existing injury. It looked for the last couple of weeks like he's been having shoulder problems. Evans continues to heal from a leg injury. Last week he was hopeful, and it seems nothing has changed this week. We'll just have to wait and see on Saturday. Jim says he was impressed by the way Shea handled himself in the comeback win on Saturday. He just makes winning plays, Jim said. He's also concerned about the penalties, as we all are. He says they are a point of emphasis in practice every week, and they have got to stop. 
The Michigan-Wisconsin kick time will be 7.30 p.m. on October 13th, a week from this Saturday. We dropped one spot in the AP poll this week down to 15. Chase Winovich was named co-defensive player of the week in the Big Ten. He is having a great senior season, and his stock has to be on the rise with NFL scouts. The defense, despite our frustration with them at times, is the number one D in college football, yielding only 232 yards per game. Even the secondary we sometimes complain about is ranked number four in pass defense. Just think how good we'd be if we cut down on the crazy penalties. It's almost scary to think about. Thanks again to Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit for being our guest today. On Thursday, we'll get to know this week's opponent, the Maryland Terrapins. Joining us will be Radio Hall of Famer Johnny Holiday, the voice of Maryland football and basketball. He has been in the booth calling the play-by-play action for over 40 years now, and he thinks this team is the most talented group of Terps since the Bobby Ross days, and those were some good years for Maryland football. So make sure you join us on Thursday. That will do it for this week's game day show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I'll see you back here on Thursday with Johnny Holiday, an injury update, the game day weather forecast, and a few game day notes. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!